0: His presence is in this place, and he said that he inhabits the praise of his people. I'm going to read one verse and then we'll pray, and I'll let you be seated. In John chapter 8, in verse number uh, 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And in verse 36, it says, If the Son therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. We're going to talk about the pathway to freedom, uh, spiritual freedom in Christ today. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into that. Lord, I pray that you'd please help each person here. Uh, Lord, I pray that there would be uh, a sense not just of your presence, but Lord, uh, a sense that you want to do a work uh, on our perceptions, on our deception, uh, Lord, on our self-perfection. Everything inside of us. That doesn't belong, I pray that your truth would shine a light on it, that we would be open to surrender that, to repent from it, to turn to your truth, uh, to your plan for our life that's far better than any plan we could ever make. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you remember, but uh, there were um, a, a lot of stories coming out of Uh, West and East Germany in the 60s, 70s, and, uh, and even in the early 80s, um, regarding people dug, people digging tunnels underneath the Berlin Wall and escaping the, uh, the communist regime of East Germany. And there was this little section of freedom called West Berlin, and everyone wanted to get there. And they were doing crazy things. One guy uh, scaled some uh, electrical, high-power, high-voltage electrical wires. Another guy uh, d- stole a tank and drove it into the wall and barely made it over. He was shot several times. I mean, it's just crazy stories coming out of this. One person built a zip line uh, from East Germany to West Germany. Uh, 57 people built a tunnel, and and uh, it was just Lots of those stories were coming out. But by the time that, uh, the, the, all of the different, uh, factors were starting to kind of put pressure on the wall collapsing. And of course, uh, Ronald Reagan had the, that famous speech where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And, and there were all of these moments leading up to it. But it was the night of September 11th, 1989, when finally, there were people flooding over that wall and they were flooding over that wall and they were, they were escaping the, the communist bondage, the, the lack of freedom. And they were so happy and they were celebrating their newfound freedom. I wanted to show you a clip of this because this is exactly the picture that I think Jesus is painting uh, when these people are coming out of of what was a horrible living condition. What what was no one wanted to live in that section of of East Germany and East Berlin, and now they're coming, and the people who were in freedom are celebrating with them. Watch this. <laughs> For hours and hours people kept going over the wall and over the wall, and they would cheer and they would cheer. And every person and hundreds and then thousands. And the next day they they brought tools and they brought cranes and they they started, you know, chisels and hammers and they started to tear down that wall. They they wanted to help people get to freedom. The word free that Jesus used that we just read in John chapter eight. Uh, there are five different words in the New Testament for freedom. There's a word for deliverance, a word for liberty. Uh, but this word freedom, it means to not be a slave. Um, it, it's this, it's this unrestraint, this uninhibited, uh, ability to, to operate. But it's talking about being exempt from bondage. It's talking about being released from bondage. It's almost, the picture is this, that you have been given a pass from bondage that people normally experience. That's the the thrust of this word, is that bondage used to be the norm, and now freedom is the norm. Jesus is offering a norm uh, for freedom. Now, as followers of Jesus... We can walk in this freedom, and if you want to know the context of this passage that we went over, feel free to jump online and watch last week. We walked through some of that, and I'd be glad to uh, to, to give you some uh, of the handouts and things like that uh, after the service if you'd like them. Uh, but Jesus is talking about not just physical freedom we enjoy in America—physical freedom and 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 political freedom and all of those things—but but but Jesus is talking about spiritual freedom. He's talking about being truly free spiritually uh, in your innermost being. And Paul talked a lot about the fact that there are many people who are in Christ, meaning they have received Christ as their Savior. They're following Christ, but yet they're still in bondage. They're servants to themselves or they're servants to their impulses or they're servants to sin. And this is what he says about that in Romans 6. He says, but God be thanked that ye were servants of sins, but ye have obeyed him from the heart, that uh, f- form of doctrine which we delivered unto you, meaning we told you truth and, and you were delivered. You were set free. That truth set you free from being a servant of sin. Uh, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness, meaning you just started serving Christ. You you no longer served yourself. You were serving his plan, what was right in God's eyes. And in verse number 19, he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the uh, the infirmity of your flesh, meaning we're all weak. We all have an infirmity of flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, Even so, yield yourselves members to righteousness and holiness. Meaning, just as you you make a choice to serve your pleasures or your passions or your impulses, you can make a choice to serve yourself in that way and put your own instant gratification in in first place. He's saying, you can make that same choice to put Christ's uh, passions and Christ's will first. For when you were servants of sin, you were made, you were free from righteousness, meaning you didn't have anything uh to to, to boast of. What fruit, he says, what result, what benefit uh had ye in those things when you were ashamed? for the end of those things are death meaning listen if you're going to serve yourself you're really just going to come to an empty place after empty place it's and we'll talk about this more next week but it's almost like when you fe- feed the, the the fire of your own passions and you feed the fire of your own lusts and the lies and the and and, and the things that you know won't satisfy you when you feed that fire it diminishes the fire of following God, of, of loving God, of wanting to go his way. And so the next time you feel that pull, that pull to serve yourself or to serve sin, I think it's important for us to yield, as Paul says, yield ourself in service to Christ. The greatest thing you could ever do to break the chains of sin and selfishness is through service to Christ. You say, how do I serve Christ? You serve Christ by serving others. There are people around you that you serve. Now, listen, you don't serve them. You serve Christ through them. You are serving them, but you're looking right through them, meaning you are, hey, I'm doing this as unto Christ. If you only serve people who can serve you, you're really just serving yourself. And so all of us need to remember that we were not made to be self-serving, We were made to be servants of Christ. We were put on this planet for others. And we were put on this planet for a purpose. And Christ has given us that purpose. And he says, it's not you. You were put on this planet for others, for the purpose that God has placed in your heart. Now, when I was uh, 17, I was really struggling. My parents knew it. And uh, the Lord brought me through some of that, got a hold of my heart. I've told some of that story and I was, a lot of doubts, a lot of, lot of things. I was pushing back and, and, and wanting freedom. And, and if you've ever talked to a 17-year-old man, you just, you, you want to you do what you want to do, and you want to be able to make your own choices. And, and that, that's where I was. And, and, and part of that is just the process of growing up and, 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 and finding out what, what you're into and, and what you believe and all of those things. But when I was 18, I had already decided where I was going to go to college. I was going to go to college out here in California. And I had saved up some money, not a lot of money, but some money, and I had uh, I had a car, and and I had packed up all my stuff. And I always joked with my parents. Um, that they, when my sisters went to college, I have two older sisters, when my sisters went to college, man, they flew out. Both my sisters went to college in California. They flew out to California. They, I mean, they got them checked into their dorm room. They made sure they had everything. My parents did not leave the living room when I went to college. I mean, I load up all my stuff and I joke, it was one of the greatest things they ever did for me, by the way, and I, I joke about that, but it was one of the greatest things they ever did for me was to allow me the freedom to know what it felt like to make all of my own decisions. Because here's the reality. The moment I drove out of there, I had this sense like, I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. I'm 18 years old, I'm an adult now, I can, I can do whatever. I have, finally, I'm free. I have total freedom. And then I got to think about my journey. And I thought, okay, um, I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I'm trying to get to Lancaster, California, where I went where I went to college out here in, in in California. And so here's a map. I mean, it didn't take me long. This was before, you know, GPS or whatever. And so I'm I'm looking at the map and I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna go through Nebraska and and my grandparents live in Denver. So, so I'm going to stop in Denver for, for a day. And we were going to go to a, a Rockies game, a Colorado Rockies baseball game. And I was looking forward to that. And my grandma was going to make some of my favorite meals. Looking forward to that, you know. So I was like, okay. So, so about 12 hours, you know, I was going to drive 12 hours and get there. And so that was my first stop. And, uh, I actually stayed there for a day. So actually stayed there two nights, stayed there Monday night, stayed there Tuesday night. Got up early on Tuesday morning and I started driving and, 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 and I drove, uh, about from eight or nine and, and, and drove five or six hours and I came to the little town of Green River, Utah. Might have a map that kind of shows you where Green River, Utah. It's after Grand Junction before St. George, Utah. And it's up in the very northern part and, and, uh, and, and I thought, you know, I, I was looking at the map and I was like, man, I don't know how rural it gets. And again, you don't know where to stop. And I was a little bit scared. And I mean, I'm 18 years old. I didn't know where to stop. And and, um, and so it was It was uh, at that time, Wednesday afternoon. And I'm in the city of Green River, Utah. And I remember driving down the, the main street. I was going to get something to eat. And driving by this, this church, and the name of the church was... Uh, it's still there to this day uh Green River Bible Church and i drove by that church and there were some people kind of walking in and out and, and i don't know why i i just thought you know that's a cool looking church and and i'm getting something to eat and i mean i'm doing whatever i want right i can go wherever i want i you know i'd like to go in and see that little church and so i was uh pulled i kind of pulled off and i mean i'm by the way, going to Bible college. I was going to Bible college. And so, so I thought, well, you know, I'll stop at this church. And so I go into the church and there were about 10, 12 people there and they were having an afternoon Bible study. And they they invited me to join and I, I listened in or whatever and didn't say anything. Mostly older people, but, but enjoyed enjoyed hearing them talk about their faith. And at the end of the Bible study, there was a couple who uh it was nice enough but they they stru- struck up a conversation they heard that i was traveling across the really i mean 2000 miles uh to to college and and uh they said well where are you staying tonight and i said well i was going to find a place you know and, and uh they said well you know have you do you have a reservation i said no and and they said well you know we we live right on the green river i mean you you're welcome to stay with us and and I don't know what it was in me. You know, it's like on one of those movies where, where the people are going into like a dark tunnel and you're like, don't, why would you do that? You know, like, what are you doing? You're going all alone. Why would you? <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, no worries. You know, I'll go. Now, when I say that they live in a very remote part of Green River, Utah, it took us about 45 minutes to get there. And by the time I got there, I thought this couple's gonna kill me. I mean, there was no one, no cell reception. I mean, it was as remote as you, as it could be. And it looked a lot like this. I mean, this is the Green River. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful, but there was no one out there. And I mean, I would, they, I would have, I mean, listen, it it was just, it was one of those things where I was like, man, do I trust these people? I just met these people. and And I remember, you know, getting in their house and, I uh, end up staying the night, and obviously I lived, spoiler alert. Um, but, but I remember thinking the next day, I pulled out, you know, she made a huge breakfast. It was awesome. I remember pulling out. I remember thinking, of all the things I could have done, I mean, all the things that I, I envisioned when I was 17 of doing. Oh man, I, you know, uh, can't wait to do that. And I want to try this and I want to push this limit. I want to do that. And of all the things I could have done and all the things I could have, you know, gone out there and done, I found myself in Green River Bible Church with some old saints uh, just in a Bible study. And I want to tell you something that sometimes you get out there and you start realizing that complete and told total freedom is not what it's cracked up to be. Now, here's the reality. I had not a whole lot of money in my bank account. So the fact that that couple from that Bible church invited me to stay, that really helped my budget big time. And so for me, I'm thinking, yeah, you're totally free. But I mean, how much is it, it going to cost? How much is gas going to cost? And I'm looking, I'm looking at my budget and I'm thinking, I wonder if I have enough to pay my first payment at college. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm totally free. But it, you know, once I run out of money, how free are you? Right? And so the reality is there are limits to everyone's freedom. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we going to set our own boundaries Or are you going to live within the boundaries that Christ sets for us? And so Christ is saying, listen, you're going to serve someone. You're going to serve something. And so you might as well listen to the boundaries of your creator because there's great freedom inside the boundaries that your creator has made for you. That's why he said, you shall be made free. You will be given a level of freedom that is not accessible when you are setting your own course, when you are doing whatever you want to do. When, when, when you are just living a life that's just from one passion to the next, and from one moment of, of satisfaction to the next, you're you're now you're bound to your passions. Now you're bound to your impulses. Now you're serving yourself. You are your own master. Your desires are your are your taskmaster. You are in bondage and you don't even realize it. And by the way, the Israelites didn't realize it when, uh, when Jesus was talking to them either. And by the way, let me tell you, this story of freedom, it's nothing new. In fact, every person longs for freedom. You, you want to be free. This is something that we all uh, are born wanting. There's something inside of everyone who desires freedom that doesn't want to be in bondage, that doesn't want to uh, to be locked down to that habit or to that offense or, or, or to that thing that you just, you can't shake. You've tried for years. There's, there's, you've tried everything. You've gone to uh, every person you can think of. You've read every book. You, you've tried every little hack. You've Read every self help book. There's lots of things you've tried, but you just can't do it. And I want to remind you that everyone longs for that freedom. And by the way, it's no secret that every religion offers a pathway to freedom. But true freedom only is found in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, religion is a form of bondage as well, because religion says you have to continue to do. And if you stop, you are damned. You are doomed. If you don't keep up your appearance, if you don't keep up your penance, if you don't keep up all of the things that we set, our boundaries, our rules, our legalism, if you don't keep up with this, then, and that's bondage. That's absolute bondage. And Christ says, no, no. A relationship with me is where true freedom is. He has done what religion is trying to get you to do. There's true freedom in Christ, in Christ alone. That's why he said, at the sun, capital S, if Jesus will make you free, you will be truly free. You will be finally free. How many of you want to be finally free in 2023? I do. I do. And that freedom can be found in any area of your life um, through three. Different uh, truths, and I want to give you these because these are the these are the ways that you know if you're on the pathway to be finally free. And these are three truths in this passage, but also throughout the scripture. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible today. I'm going to give it to you in your notes. I'm going to try to read as much of it as possible. There's probably 60 different verses. I'm going to I, because I want you to know. Listen, this is not my pathway. This is, this is not something that, you know, was drummed up out of a, you know, book study. This is from the Bible, okay? There's nothing brilliant here human-wise. This is scripture. This is the truth that will set us free. So number one, I want you to see that freedom follows truth. We, we talked a little bit about this last week, but freedom follows truth. You must have the baseline of truth in order to be free, in order to be truly free. And that's what he says when he when when, when he was saying that if you continue my word, if you continue in my truth, uh, you'll be my disciples. If you know my truth, if you know the truth, if, if you're seeking the truth, if you're understanding the truth. Last week, we touched on this, but the word truth is uh, aletheia. It, it's the word for certainty or an actuality. Uh, it, it talks about the something that's a genuine reality, something that's uh, not just trustworthy, but it's defendable. It's something that you can put to the test. Listen, truth fears no question. If there's something that's said from this platform or there's something that you hear and and, and you, something that you read in the word of God, my, my point is, that, that I want you to get is that it isn't wrong to push against that. I want to tell you some of the greatest growth that I've ever experienced in my life is when I was asking God some questions about what he wrote. When, when I looked at some passages that didn't seem right and I pushed against that. By the way, your growth is only as good as the questions you're getting answered. You're not growing if you're not getting questions answered. And by the way, every single person in this room has questions about God, has questions about why he allowed these things to happen and what happens when this happens and how does God feel about this? And there are so many questions about it and the word of God has it. And here's the crazy thing to me is that for 2000 years, people have been trying to poke holes in the truth and there are no holes to be found. People say, well, there's discrepancies and there was changes over the the years. Listen, there are thousands of manuscripts. And if you just take the words of Jesus, they're rock solid. There's nothing in them that you can point to. If there were, they would have already. And so my point is this. You can either debate that it's true, and that's fine. Or you can stop debating that it's true, and you can accept that it's true, and you can receive it as unto the truth, as the Bible says. Now, this is what the wisest man to ever walk the earth other than Jesus, Solomon says in Proverbs 23, 23. He says, buy the truth and sell it not. Can you say that with me? Buy the truth and sell it not. Now, how can truth be purchased? How can truth be bought? It almost sounds like you can buy out the truth, right? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that something that's truly a reality, something that is defendable, something that is real, it has a price to it. Let me tell you, there's a price to telling the truth, always. There's always a try. price. By the by the way, every time I get up here and I say a truth, and sometimes a little there's there's a little sting or it's like oh pastor come on I mean oh. you know not on full blast I mean could we do half blast or you know I mean could you could you say it a little differently you know for, for me it's not about being mean or trying to put anyone on blast for me it's about listen you're around lies every single day. And we don't realize it, but we are being told lies. We're being fed a lie every single day about culture, by yourself. We we feed ourselves lies. No one lies to you more than you do. And so all of us need the truth. And sometimes that truth is a little bit, ah man, that's kind of hard to swallow. But but when we understand that the truth, that, that that price is worth paying to accept the truth, then we'll receive wisdom, extra, instruction, and understanding. And what has happened in our society is for far too long, for far too long, we have accepted half-truths. We have accepted things in our culture and in our lives that aren't fully true. And in our society, we're seeing things that are absolutely verifiably true being said that they are false. You will see that. By the way, it's not controversial when something has been true for the existence of humankind, and now it's being said by culture, oh, it's not true anymore. That's not controversial, okay? Two plus two still equals four, okay? There's still some things in the universe that are just True, they're verifiably true, and nothing that anyone says or nothing that someone tries to rewire or remake. No, no, no. Truth stays true regardless of what anyone else says. Can I get a witness? Okay. So that's the reality. Let's just, let's just be, let's not be children when it comes to that. Like, let's be adults and say, hey, listen, there are some things that are just true. So, but for years, people have said, man, why is this happening? Well, Six hundred years before Christ, Isaiah said that it would happen. This isn't a shock. Isaiah 59:12, "For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, our sins testify against us. for our transgressions are with us." I don't know about you, but I have transgressions with me. As our as iniquities, we know them. I know mine. You know yours. Don't act like you don't know yours. OK? I know some of yours. <laughs> OK? So I know mine. You know some of mine, right? This isn't a, listen, this is, this is, we're like the planet fitness of churches. There's no judgment. Like, come on. I mean, we're all in process, right? Don't act like we're, you're not. And so, and so we know them. We know our iniquities. Then he says this, in in transgressing and lying against the Lord. When we transgress, when we lie, we're really lying against the Lord. We're saying, "Hell, it's not true. And God's like, Really? and in departing away from God. How many of you have seen over the last few years, a lot of people are departing away from God? Have you noticed that? Look at what Isaiah says. He says, speaking oppression and revolt, convincing and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, judgment is turned away backward. Justice standeth afar off. Truth is fallen in the street Equity cannot enter. Now you will hear the word equity a lot in our culture. And what it, what they mean is equality of outcome. But this is what the Bible means when it says equity, is what God says is right, just, and fair. That is what God means by equity, is that God has a standard and that standard does not change. People will change, rulers will change, countries will change, people will come and go, Uh, fads will come and go, but our God remains the same. And I will tell you this, that our creator loves us enough to hold the line and say, hey, there are some things that we cannot move on. This is the truth. And so there's great freedom in being anchored to something that doesn't change. It's the truth. So in our culture, everything's changing. In fact, Paul said that this would happen. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed in all things. Let me tell you something. That is a perfect description of the problem in our society and is the perfect description of the bondage and the source of bondage that all of us deal with. That if we're all honest, there are moments where we worship the creature and creature comforts, and creature desires, and creature visions, and goals, and aspirations. We worship the creature more than the creator. And that is a temptation from the beginning of the fall of man, that we want to be the one to receive glory and worship. And God says, be careful, because if you change God's truth into a lie, you will want To be God, you will want to be the source of worship. You will want to be the one that is served, not serving the one who created you. And so you have people like Pilate asking, Well, what is truth? What is truth? How can we even know truth in a world that changes the truth and, 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 and tries to distort the truth and tries to tell us this is a new truth? And, 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 and now it's not just this. Now it's a spectrum. And now it's this. And now it's just kind of blurred. And what used to be black and white is like, oh, we're not sure anymore. And, and, and now these terms that used to be just solid concrete, now they're being changed. And now dictionaries are changing. And now all these things are changing in society. But I want you to know that God never changes. And he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the truth, and he's not just the truth. He gives you the pathway to that truth. That's why John in John 3 and 4, uh, 3 John 3 and 4 says, I rejoice greatly, brethren, when I came and testified of the truth, meaning he's like, I'm telling you God's truth that is in thee." And thou walkest in the truth. He's like, I didn't just see it in you, but I saw it all through you. You were living out the truth. And he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. By the way, that's true for parents, but that's also true in the ministry and in church. When you look around and other people are following God's plan, there's great satisfaction. To know, hey, we're all pulling in the same direction. We're all seeing God work and move in our life. And so the only way to remove deception in your heart and in society and wherever, the only way to remove deception is through the saturation of the truth. Now, I am am behind schedule, so I'm not going to be able to do this. But if you took a a, a glass of muddy water and you just kept pouring clean water into it, clean water, clean water, obviously, that muddy water gets cleaned by the saturation of the new uh, clean water. So that muddy water just needs to be diluted, diluted, diluted. I'm telling you, everything around you is deception. And without the saturation of the truth, it will latch onto you. You will start to believe the lies of culture, the lies that you tell yourself if you're not saturating the truth. So how do we saturate ourselves with the truth? Well, there's a study that came out um, recently about getting little kids to eat vegetables. Maybe some of you moms have seen this And they said that different kids have different responses, but that kids will generally push back somewhere between 15 and 30 times on a given vegetable. But, and don't tell the kids this, but God wired their little minds to work that they will only push back so many times. So you put broccoli in front of them, they say no. Put broccoli in front of them, they say no might be 15, might be 20, might be 25, might be 35, but at some point, they'll start to tolerate it. At some point, the brain starts to rewire itself, and it starts to actually be okay with it. At some point during childhood, that kid, not always, but that kid can start to like the vegetable that it first said no to. And so, I just want you to understand that sometimes you push away from scripture and be like, I don't like that. I just can't, I I can't handle that. So, So I don't understand it. It's boring. I don't get anything out of it. And I want you to know that there might be some resistance in biblical truth saturation, but if you will just keep pushing past it, There will be a a level of saturation that it'll start to penetrate. It'll start to kind of get into your heart and your life and it'll start to reveal those truths. And the more it starts to reveal those lives and the more those truths start to get deep down in your heart, you'll have a desire for it. You have an appetite for it. You'll wake up in the morning saying, man, I got to get to the truth. I I, got to eat it. I have to, I have to devour it. Why? Because you know what it's doing in you, what it's doing. For you. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's why Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Listen, that meditation day and night is so important. David said it this way in, in, in Psalm 119, uh, uh, 9 through 11. He says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. He says, well, listen, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. How do you not wander from your commandments? He he says, listen, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You don't want to sin against God. Hide God's word in your heart. Now, the word hide, I love this. It's the word safan. It's a Hebrew word for storing something up. Now, no one knows about storing things up better than squirrels. This guy was remodeling his house, and this is what he found. I think we've got squirrels. I think it's safe to say that squirrel was set for winter. (laughs) I mean, that squirrel had been storing those, and I, I don't know... When he found this stash was robbed, I mean, listen, he had been storing for a while. That took a while for that store. He was storing up. Why? Because he knew he would need it later. Can I tell you something? That if you're not storing the truth, when you come in temptation, when you need it later, the Holy Spirit can only bring to mind something that you've memorized. Holy Spirit can only use the truth that you're putting inside you. And and, and if you think you're going to win against the onslaught of deception and bondage in this world with one hour a day uh, on Sunday, and I'm so proud of you for being here, but I'm telling you, this is not enough truth. have to be storing it up daily there must be daily time I would encourage you to spend time daily reading and meditating on God's Word here's five ways to, to uh, maximize your daily uh, Bible meditation schedule and protect a time slot for Bible meditation what gets scheduled gets done uh, find a location without distractions listen I I'm, I'm like the, the the dog on up you know squirrel you know I'm like I'm like I'm like looking for you know distractions. Uh, focus is, 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 a, is an issue for me. And so I have to get an area where there's no notifications, where there's nothing uh, that would distract me and, and be focused on it. Um write down uh write down uh what your ro- routine's going to be. I don't I don't want any guesswork. I want to know I'm going here, I'm following this plan. That's why the Bible Recap plan uh on YouVersion app has been awesome for me. Uh I hope some of you will will join that. If you want to pick up one of those packets on the way out, you can scan the code and you can follow along. Listen, find me. Uh I'm I'm on the YouVersion app. I'd love to read with you. Uh feel free to do that. Um that's that's just a a, a huge help. Uh, right, so write that down. But also have a place where you're writing down what you're learning, what you're going to be doing. Uh, you listen, you don't have to journal for half an hour. Uh, sometimes I'll write down one sentence. Sometimes I'll write down a couple sentences. Uh, but I don't write down a whole book. But make sure you're writing down, hey, I have a question. That doesn't seem right. I'm going to ask someone about that. Uh, or Or this is something that smote my heart. This is something that convicted me. This is something I need to change. And then treat this time with the priority of the most important meeting of your day. Do you know why we don't treat our quiet time with God with such reverence and priority? Because we don't think it really helps us. If we're honest, if we're being truthful, all right, we don't think it truly really helps us. The most important meeting that you have, whatever it is, at work, if if you have a meeting where it's like, this is do or die in my career today, you get ready for that meeting. You treat that meeting, you're not going to be late for that meeting. That meeting is a big deal. And that's what I'm talking about when we come into God's presence. We have to be ready. We have to be ready to to receive the truth. And so freedom follows truth. Next, I want you to see this. Freedom follows repentance. Freedom follows repentance. Now, I'm going to go very fast here. I'm going to give you a lot of the, the... verses and some of the charts and some of the things I put in here. I'm gonna let you read that on your own. But let me just, let me tell you what happens in, in John chapter eight, verse 33. Jesus says, you shall be set free. And, and these Jews who wanna believe on him, they're, they're trying. They said, they're, they're in denial. So, so here's what the Jews say. The Jews say, we're Abraham. See, we've never been in bondage. Now I've given you a chart of all the times they were in bondage. Okay, so first of all, they're lying, all right? And Jesus knew it. I mean, uh, they were enslaved to the Egyptians. uh, They were enslaved to the Assyrians. They were enslaved to the Babylonians. They were enslaved to the uh, Greco-Macedonians. That's uh, Alexander the Great. They were currently enslaved to the Romans. So they had been enslaved, Okay, The Jewish people had constantly been enslaved. But they were trying to say, well, but we're free now. And Jesus is like, hey, You think you're free, but you're in denial. You are not as free as you think you are because you're in bondage to a religious self-perfection system and you're in bondage to your own sin. That's why he said he that committed sin is the servant of sin in verse 34. But let me talk about our bondage. Let me talk about our denial. Denial destroys freedom and prolongs bondage because it refuses It refuses to turn away from a lie and acknowledge the truth. There are so many times in life where I have held so tightly to a lie, and it was almost like God says, I know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. When are you going to give it up, man? When are you going to just acknowledge that you're lying, that you're in denial? I don't know what you're in denial about today, but whatever area of your spiritual life that you're just denying that you need help or denying that you know god could help or that god wants to help or that the people around you want to help that denial will keep you in bondage the reality is god is there for you the people around you do want to help you they do care about you there are people around you that want to walk through this process of being finally free but we must We must turn from our life, from our denial to the truth. And this word for turning is repentance. It's the very first thing Jesus preached about in Matthew 4, after he said about the truth that that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He says this, Jesus came to preach, and this is what he preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we don't use that phrase at hand, but he's saying, I'm reaching out it's right here. It's close. You, you don't have to go looking for it. It's right, it's right here, right now. You, you, you don't have to clean yourself up to get there to it. No, no. All you have to do is repent. All you have to do is say, I'm turning from how I've been doing it. I'm turning from my denial. I'm turning from all the things I've tried. In Jesus, I'm turning to you. There's great freedom in repentance. And many times that's not preached because it's uncomfortable when someone says, repent. And so it was uncomfortable for the Jews as well. I'm not going to give you all of these, these examples because I'm going to let you read them in, uh, in Luke, uh, four and in Luke and in John 8 58. But every time Jesus talked about freedom, they tried to kill him. He talked about freeing the captives in Luke four. I'm going to free the captives, bring liberty and bring freedom. And they literally tried to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. He, he talked about freedom. He said, "Before Abraham was, I am. I can give you freedom. I'm greater than Abraham. I'm, I'm the one Abraham was looking for." And they said they picked up stones. Read it in John John eight fifty nine. They picked up stones. They were wanting to kill him. Why? Because they were in denial. They weren't willing to confront their sin. They weren't willing to say, "You know what? I was wrong. I, I need help. I, I do have something I need to address." Church family, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're in a moment of revival. You know what revival is? It's just being honest with God to say, I need help. Man, God, there's stuff I need to work on. God, there's stuff I need to. That's repentance, turning from and turning to him. So don't let your pride get in the way of freedom that's found in turning from sin and turning to Christ. So truth follows, or freedom follows truth. Freedom follows repentance, turning from a lie turning to the truth, but then I, I want you to see. Finally, we're finished. That freedom follows obedience. Freedom follows obedience. We're almost done. But in John eight, he says, "If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. So you continue, you obey, you'll be my disciple." Your that obedience is revelation of being a disciple. Meaning, you don't you don't obey to receive. The salvation of Christ. But after you have become a follower of Jesus, there's the greatest trademark is the fact that you are following, the fact that you are obeying, the fact that you are following his truth. And it's interesting to me that when he says this, he says, you shall be my disciples indeed. And we said last week that that's not just a website to find a job, okay? That the word indeed, we don't use that a lot, but the word indeed literally is the same word that we used for truth. The truth will set you free. It's, it's aletheos, it's, it's the truth. You will be disciples, you will be followers walking and obeying the truth. I'm gonna tell this story and then we'll be finished. But there's a guy who was in Palmdale and his name was Michael Hingson. And Michael, uh, when he was born, he was born with a, uh, a, a disease that, that made him completely blind. He was completely blind uh, right after birth. And, and uh, here in Palmdale, and, and one, of the, one of those guys has a dream and, and wanted to work for a company. And, and, and he thought specifically that he would like to work for a company on the East Coast, like, like to break things up. And so in 1996, he moved from Palmdale, and he moved actually to a company in New Jersey, and he worked his way up, and they finally promoted him, and they said, "Hey, we're going to let you work in our corporate offices in downtown New York City." Oh man, he was so excited, and and so he started to work. and And a uh, part of you know the agreement with the company was that he could take his his guide dog Roselle, and this is uh, this is he and his guide dog uh, Roselle a. Uh, a golden retriever we have a golden retriever but it could not be a guide dog it would uh you you'd get lost every time uh it, it would be looking for squirrels actually uh but but uh but this was a really 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 good guide dog and every single day he'd leave his apartment and he'd he'd walk and and he actually was working downtown he was actually working at the World Trade Center he was working on the 87th floor of the North Tower and and uh on September 11th uh you know 2021 when the first plane hit the North tower it hit uh as you know just a few floors above that 87th floor I believe it was floor 91 and uh, he heard something and in fact he said it felt like the entire building uh just was bending over when that first plane hit and he said that the his dog Roselle, Woke up and 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 was was you know just right by his side and didn't move. And uh, they heard the fire alarm going off and and um, didn't know exactly. No one was giving any any uh, you know orders and and so finally he thought, well, fire alarm's going off. I'm just going to go to the exit. And and so he knew exactly where the, st- the the dog knew exactly where the stairs were. I mean, it was unbelievable. The the dog Roselle led Michael down the stairs, out the building, and right as they were coming out that building, the entire building collapsed. It was incredible because there were so many people, there was so much chaos, and many people actually died of lots of things that happened outside the building, but Michael was not hurt. In fact, Michael didn't even have like lung damage like many of them because the dog threw out all of the smoke and all of the confusion. And as everyone else was running all over, his dog, Rizel, guided him through the smoke, outside the building, down the stairs, across the block, like a block away, down the stairs and into a subway station where he sat there and waited for all the debris and all the smoke to clear. And finally, after it all cleared, they literally walked home. His dog not only saved his life, but in the most dangerous moment when that building was collapsing, the dog just calmly guided him to safety. Now, now let me tell you. They interviewed Michael, and they said, "What what impressed you the most?" and and he said, "Well, he said honestly, it wasn't wasn't very impressive. I, I was just doing what I did every single day, and that is follow my guide dog. I, I just had to trust that my dog knew where safety was more than I did." Let, let me just tell you something about the Christian life is if we will just wake up every single day and say, God, you, you know what's best. I, I'm just going to follow you. And, and, and he said this, he said, they said, weren't you scared? And he said, I was absolutely terrified. But, but he said, the, 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 the more scared I got, the, the, the tighter I would hold on to the leash. And the tighter I would hold on, the closer Roselle would get. And he said, all I had to do was stay close to the guide dog and I knew I would find safety. And I wanna tell you this, that if you will stay close to him and if you will allow the obedience of walking in the truth, of walking in a life of repentance of sin, you will, you will follow the path of freedom. And I'm telling you, you'll walk out of those habits out of, those, out of those hangups, out of those things that you said, man, I could never be free from that. I could never be free from that offense. You will walk right out of that into forgiveness and freedom when you're just following his plan. And so let's follow God's plan. Listen, with whatever limited knowledge we have, let's follow that and allow his limitless wisdom and power to, to change our life. Deal Moody said this, there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. God doesn't make you do anything. I've given you some, some verses and, and some things that he, he does make. He makes you feel loved and aware of his plan and cared for, and he makes you feel his joy and his purpose. But I will tell you that truth frees us from the lies and self-deception. Repentance frees us from sin and self-perfection but obedience is what frees us to experience a close relationship with him. He is where the joy is. He is where the peace is. He is where the power is for true freedom. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would truly be free this year, that we would walk in the freedom that you have made possible, that you've given to us. But Lord, I pray that we would not hold on to those offenses, that we would not hold on to that denial, that we would not live life denying the very reality that your word points out so clearly. I pray that we would confront ourselves daily with the truth. I pray that we'd be willing to confront a truth that we've been suppressing for a very long time, that we would come to grips with some things that we need to do, some people we need to talk to, Uh, Lord, uh, some uh, some patterns we need to put into place. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would start saturating ourselves in your truth and your word. And Lord, that you would use uh, your word, your truth to set us free. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, man, everything you talked about, I want. I want that freedom. But I just don't know if, if I've ever had a moment where I became a follower of Jesus. I, I believe that he exists. And maybe I've read the Bible, but maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in this room and you say, man, I, don't, I can't point to a day where I turned from my sin and I turned to him. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Prayer doesn't save you, but turning to him and believing on him, trusting in him alone, that's the moment of salvation. Call out to him and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that I cannot save myself, so I turn to you. Just pray that prayer right now. I turn to you, and I receive you now. Listen, we have dozens of people uh, who who do that regularly and and, and who, who have done that within the last month and I, I would I would hope that you have joined them maybe you're watching online maybe you're listening on the radio maybe you maybe you're watching this later and you you prayed that prayer and you meant it you received that I want you to let us know we want to know that you made that decision that's one of the greatest decisions that you could ever make how many of you would be in this room maybe there's some in this room who said, you know when you when you gave that opportunity to receive Christ to receive that gift become a follower of Jesus I I made that decision and I'm not too proudful or ashamed to admit that I made that decision today would you raise your hand say I prayed that prayer just now and I meant it thank you so much anyone else would join these hands to say hey I made that decision I prayed that prayer just now and uh, and and I And I'll raise my hand to to show you I made that decision. Just put it up, put it right back down. I'd love to pray for you. Anyone else made that decision today? And I'm I'm thankful I did. That's awesome. Lord, thank you so much for these that have made these decisions. I pray that you'd help all of us, Lord, uh, to circle an action item, to, to know exactly what you would want us to do. And I pray that we would follow your pathway for obedience in Jesus' name. Amen.